Welcome to Everything Under the Moon with Mel and Stowe. Hey, Mel. Hey. <laughs> it's Been funny. doing any squatching lately? I don't know. How about you? Well, that's the dumb answer. <laughs> yes. How about you? <laughs> I've also been squatching. Yes. So we have uh, both been, we have started our squatch investigations. I like to call it investigations because that makes it seem sciencey. Absolutely. Um, I think we mentioned in our last episode at the end a little bit, but we have a research in area uh, at Stell's. Uh, it's a family property of Stell's. Shout out to my good old papa. Pops. Poor we guy. I hope, I hope that it turns out that it's not Lyme disease and that it was a case of the Mondays. I believe that Pops will be okay. And I'm so grateful because we wouldn't be here without him. Rest up, Pops. Let's talk a little bit about our very first time going out squatching. We have made videos. We've been vlogging during all of this, but, you know, podcasting is our forte right now. So we want to do some with that, too. But um, our first camping trip to the forest, we should give it a name, our mm. location, but Ooh, we can think about that. It. Yeah. Um, it was quite grueling. <laughs> we mm-hmm. literally hiked up. We hiked up a 1,200-foot incline that probably was about 100 yards. Can so we just call it the holler? Sure. The holler. I like it. Okay. Um, but this first time, we were not in the holler. We were on top of a ridge. Right. So we walked because the hiking trail, you know, obviously goes through the holler. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, you should talk about that spot because it's your spot. So, uh, yeah, basically there, you know, are there are basically the remains of an old ATV trail that used to go through there um, that no longer does. Uh, the story that I was told when I was a kid, like, because it blew my mind that there was like a trail out there because mm-hmm. it is like. For us to get there, first of all, we have to drive about an hour and a half and then hike another mile and a half into nowhere to get to this place. So to imagine that there's just this trail out there was like really mind-blowing to me as a child. Yeah. Um, but what I had heard was that illegal logging had been taking place in that area. And like you've seen it, you've been there many times now. And, uh, you know, there's some huge trees out there. This is, this is an old growth Appalachian forest. Yeah, this is the type of wood that you could cut down and sell for thousands of dollars. Right? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, what the Forestry Service did in order to preserve that um, that forest is uh, they cut down some huge trees. They sacrificed a few of the big ones mm-hmm. uh, to lay across the path and essentially keep people from walking on it and let it grow wild again. Yeah, um, and it's I... been fairly successful. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's beautiful. It has reverted back to nature's way. Um, I don't want to like dox us too much, but I think it's a really cool part of the lore of the place to say that it is near and was maybe a part of the Sheltoe trail system because that's and huge within a quarter mile. Yes. So we're, we're I mean, maybe an eighth within an eighth of a mile mm-hmm. where we're talking so this like is... nothing shouting distance from the actual. And, and like our theory is that they actually is at that point, they shifted that point of the trail yeah. and just moved it because mm-hmm. it clearly looks like it also coincides with um, when they were doing the rebuilding of the highway that's yeah. in front of it now. And there yeah. are trail markers. Yeah. All up there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, I hadn't that, at that point. I hadn't been out there for like fifteen years at least. And uh, I remember the trees being fallen down, but there being like a very well cut path yeah. um, that you could easily follow all the way around the ridge. Um, if you just you just hop over a few trees now and then. And um, I know on the side that we haven't been to just yet that uh, my dad on. So like if you're going up to the holler, you and I were going up like the right. If we go up to the left, we're going to see where my dad actually cut through huge portions mm-hmm. of the trail and made it open again just for nice. himself. Anarchy. <laughs> I love it. And we actually, another cool thing, we did see my dad's chainsaw marks on one of the yeah. um, logs when we went up there. Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, you have to do the thing. And we're back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right. It's like, you know, if someone does da 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 without doing the end. Da da. <laughs> I wasn't going <laughs> to. Um, before you get into like your really personal history with the place, that the Sheltoe Trail has a really cool history. Um, I guess it's supposed to be Daniel Boone's trek through Kentucky as he was exploring the wilderness. And Daniel Boone had his own Sasquatch sighting, uh, which is super cool. We should do like a little mini cast maybe where we just tell that story. But um, I love this idea. area is so freaking squatchy. There's that historical account then there's the two BFRO accounts, like literally within not even double-digit miles. Explain our... BFRO, please, for those oh, in the back. Uh, Bigfoot research. No. Yeah. Big... <laughs> what it is, at When least. I try to explain acronyms, I forget the letters. But That's at least what it is, yeah. Well, I'm getting there. Oh, I just got to get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, Bigfoot Research Organization. Okay. Um, is all it stands for. And started by Matt Moneymaker in the 90s, who I think is a Maybe I shouldn't say that. Not so reputable. <clears throat> but his organization is reputable, I think. And it has a life of its own now. There's one in every state. And they do investigations, basically. My, You want to hear my opinion of them? Yes. I kind of think that the BFRO is a pay-to-play organization these days. I would say most are. Well, what I've heard from the people I was affiliated with, I'm just going to say it, fuck him, Tom Shea and his buddies who ghosted me and kicked me out of their squatch group with no warning. They knew, you know, uh, Cliff and Bobo and Matt, like all these people from the show, because he was on Finding Bigfoot, which was their show. They basically told me that you can go on any BFR, BFRO investigation if you've got an, an infrared camera or a therm. Like, as long as you can buy high-priced equipment, they'll let you come because that's what they... They want to find evidence. And they know that it's just a numbers game. Like, the more people in the woods with thermal cameras, the better chance there is of finding one. Mm -hmm. But it just seems scammy to me. Like, I'm not going to pay $400 to go on a retreat. I don't don't know. It just seems scammy to me. I think there's just a... There's a big difference in what we are doing Mm -hmm. and what they are doing. Like, not to say that I can tell you, like, what their motivations are. Mm-hmm. But just that it's probably not the same. Um, I want to find Bigfoot for myself mm-hmm. and for no other reason. Like if I found it, if I saw and had a personal Bigfoot encounter myself, then I wouldn't care if anyone believed me. Yeah. I wouldn't care if I had anything to sell to like Getty images. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't care about 
being famous or any of that. And I'm not saying that that's what they want either. But I just the reason like it's really fun to broadcast these and like Mm -hmm. do our podcasts and everything. But it really is for our own personal posterity at the end of the day. Yeah. And we I can't imagine this ever being a thing, you know, where I would like accept a TV show offer, (laughs) you know, and I I totally get that they people who publicly like do their squatch like what you're talking about like who put their names out there and try to get like known for their evidence Mm -hmm. I think they have good intentions when they start out like they want to prove they probably had a personal experience and they want to prove this phenomenon to the world but I'm I'm pretty cynical and I don't think that showing anything to the world is going to get us anywhere I mean how much how much evidence have we shown the world already like the PGF the Patterson Gimlin film is like the most conclusive piece of Squatch evidence. That's what makes me a believer is the Patterson-Gimlin film. And people still don't believe. Yeah, and I mean, that was the one where they actually broke down the gate Mm -hmm. of the creature and actually said that a human being could not be imitating this because we can tell from the mechanics of how this Bigfoot walks that they have a different shaped calf muscle. Yes, and you can see muscles rippling, you know, in the video. It's it's impossible for that to be a man in a suit. And I think what a lot of people forget is that the footage you see like on YouTube or TV, those are copies of film. And when you copy film every single time, it gets worse. And we have actually lost the original Patterson Gimlin film. Did you know that? The original film is gone. I believe it because that's that's just the case with so many people were so careless with their media back then. Well, Roger Patterson, the man who filmed it, their stuff so much. He died a couple years after this event. I mean, he had Mm -hmm. he had cancer or Hodgkin's lymphoma, maybe. And so it went, you know, it just got passed down the line. But so the what people see when they're like, oh, there's a guy in the suit. It's so blurry. It's so grainy. I just want to shake him like you know, the, the good copies of the PGF are amazing. And so I can't even imagine what the original looked like. And uh, with you mentioning that the original footage being lost, that's another aspect of Bigfoot that's totally brand new to me that you seem like you're really in the know about. And that's that weird things tend to happen to the evidence that you collect. And like, there's a few different theories on that from ranging from the paranormal paranormal slash physical or metaphysical mm-hmm. to um you know something that like an actual sensitivity and able to interfere with yeah. electronics that could be biological as well so is there anything yeah, you want to say about that yeah <laughs> i mean there's something going on i i mean i've heard it a ton of course you know like People are recording something and their batteries go dead. It reminds me a lot of like ghost shows, which like ghost shows like Ghost Adventures and Taps were like my introduction as a child to the paranormal. I think like ghost stuff was the first thing I really got into. And they always have, I mean, that's always a thing, right? Like, oh, our batteries died. They were full. Like, can't tell you how many times I've heard that on a ghost special. It makes sense. Um, Personally, this happened to me when I was out with Shay and his group of people, I found a really convincing piece of evidence that we were hiking up a hill and there was a stump kind of along a trail, but that hadn't been used in a long time. And there were actually branches like pulled down over the trail, which is a little squatchy too. There's a theory that they do that to keep people out of their space. We saw tons of that, didn't we? Yes, we saw tons of that in our holler. Um, But I found on a stump a... uh, hickory nut 
that was still green. And Ooh. the top of it, it had looked like someone took their, you know, was holding the hickory nut with both their, with their thumbs on the bottom and their pointer fingers on the top. And it looked like they had stuck their fingernails into the top of the hickory nut and pulled it apart. Like we peel an orange. Yeah. Like when you peel an orange, You've you like rip it apart. you shown me this picture. I remember now. I remember seeing yeah. this on the stump. Yeah. And, and it did look really, it looked like, it looked, it looked like, like someone had just played with it. Yeah. It looked like they had pulled it open, eaten the hickory nut and just left it sit. Mm-hmm. You know, like they didn't care about discarding the evidence. Those pictures are gone. I had them. I saw that picture. I showed it to I you. I had no idea you were going to say that. <laughs> and they're gone. You saw them. They're gone. I saw them. They existed. They're not on my old phone. They're not on my phone backup. They're not on the USB that I kept, all, that I still have all of my Squatch recordings and pictures on. There is nothing to show that that ever was seen. So I don't know. And I, I mean, Tom told me when I found that, he was like, that's a Squatch. I mean, it was just so evident. And have you ever tried to break open a green hickory nut, like a butternut hickory? I have not. It's, they're about this big and you can. Like a golf ball? You can't. There's no way a person can rip them open with their thumbnails. I mean, you would break your nails off. You'd have to crack it with a Like They have a pretty, yeah, like they're like, it would be about like trying to crack a the huge rind, nut open, right? The rind is at least an inch thick on okay, hickory yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah, I got you. And they're the ones that like when the. When the nuts fall apart in the fall, you find, like, the canoe-looking pieces on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever found those? Like, yeah. We called them canoes, and we'd throw them in the water. Um, but that's what I found, and it's gone. So I don't I don't understand. It, does, it didn't disappear after it happened. I know it disappeared that after, a year later. after our first trip with the evidence, which we're going to tell that story uh, coming up later, so stay tuned in. Um, but I know on our first trip when I uh, went to go look for some of the pictures and video, this is the weird thing. So at first I thought it had been erased. And you were like, yep, that was just your reaction. Yeah. Like we were on our way home and I was like baffled. I was like, what the heck? Where is this stuff? And you were like, yep. And uh, but it, what this is what happened. Somehow these uh, several pictures and a video that were in the middle of the roll of like pictures I took on our trip Mm -hmm. only those somehow uploaded themselves into my google photo and uh stored themselves online and erased themselves from my phone Mm -hmm. so that I had to actually go into my google photo and come across them accidentally and we thought they were gone for a whole three days yeah like we just were like whatever Mm -hmm. f it we'll just have to re-record because those random like three or four items like picked themselves up and Mm -hmm. erased themselves And I wonder if they're, so I, I mean, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think that squatches, if they're real, I think they do have abilities to like alter magnetic, electromagnetic fields and that kind of stuff. And that has been proven to be a thing that we do with our brains. Like they have studied mediums and psychics and put, you know, stuff, I'm not a scientist, they put stuff around their heads. And when people are doing their psychic medium stuff, their electromagnetic fields around their brains change. That's like, pretty cool. We know that humans give off an electromagnetic field. I mean, that's what we call energy and vibes. And like, if you want to go even more hardcore skeptic, because like, that's what I like to do. That's mm-hmm. my trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Hi. Um, but, you know, for, for the, even the more scientific among us, uh, to claim that a Bigfoot may have the ability to either like, 
pick up or alter magnetic fields is not so different than senses that we already see present in some animals, such as uh, the magnetoception of cows, Mm -hmm. cow herds. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are uh, the electric eel is able to create electricity like outside of its body and shock you like Mm -hmm. so it just it gives you kind of a biological basis to see that, you know, these things could very be very well be possible. Yes, it's so common. It's just not even out there. No, I mean, birds have birds have a specific like if you look at a wild bird, those like holes they have, Mm -hmm. that's not really for smelling. Those are called nares and they are what help birds detect the Earth's magnetic field. Like that is how birds orient themselves. That's how they migrate across the Earth. And it makes total sense. I mean, all animals have this, bears, dogs, to sense it. It's the same amount of, um, you know, it's just like infrared. To like, there's some animals that can see completely in infrared, but yet there were thousands and hundreds of thousands of years when we didn't know that infrared existed. Yeah. But yet there were animals that could see that. Exactly. And I always want to like shake people who don't quite get the idea that, you know, the natural world, we don't determine the order of the natural world when we do science. Science is us going out and saying this happens. We're going to call it this word and we're going to try and catalog it. But there is so much about the natural world that we don't understand and that we might never understand because we didn't come up with it, yo. Like, we don't have the outline. Like, I want to shake people so bad who don't believe in anything paranormal because I think it's such, it's human hubris to think that we know everything about our natural world when, like, you know, you just, I mean, when did we... There's even feelings that we don't have words for. Like, what would we do without the French? How would we describe deja vu? Without yeah, or them. like all those German <laughs> words like Schadenfreude. Yeah, like, oh, those are the best. I yeah, mean, but like, you know, so just because there's no word for it in mm-hmm. our language doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah, just because it's not written down in your textbook from the 90s doesn't mean that something doesn't exist. And I'm <laughs> right now I'm specifically ranting about an old coworker I had who was just like, you know, thought that like everything was fake ever and that reality was just the way he saw it. And I just... Well, it makes called me called solipsism. <laughs> well, it makes me a little sad, first of all, because yeah. you've lost your wonder about the earth and the world. Like, this is an amazing place to live, and it's cool as shit. It also relegates you to an NPC status. What's NPC? A non-player character. That's like when you're like when you're playing a video game and you go into the store mm-hmm. or you go to the inn and you talk to the character. Oh, and it has yeah, a like there's people who thing. don't. Yeah. yeah. So that people who believe in solipsism or like that really that they are the only thing that they can know to be real. Main character syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what depresses me is for someone to negate my personhood that much when I'm willing to assume that they're real. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's super offensive. But if you come out and say, oh, I'm offended, they then you're the crazy person, right? Like right. you're absolutely the crazy person. That's what I love about you, Mel. You're willing to say I'm offended. Thanks. No matter like where we are Thank or you. what's going on. And I, I appreciate that about move. you. Yeah. Women have to be able to stand up and say they don't like something or else what did Betty Friedan do for us? Or Gloria Steinem. Anyway, uh, let's get back to our outline, our very, very short outline. Oh, well, actually, uh, so we were talking uh, about some of the characteristics of Bigfoot. Um, I think the next thing we should talk about is like, 
as we go into the holler, what sort of things are we looking for? What sort of things would we expect to see if our hypothesis is that this is a Sasquatch area? Yeah. Um, up to, like short of actually uh, catching one by the toe, mm-hmm. like what what do we expect to see and what features exist in the holler that make you feel that this is a really good place to start? These are great questions. Thank you. Um, first, I want to s- just say before I even start answering that I think the holy grail of evidence for me myself would to be to see one. Because it's like you said, I'm not. I'm just doing this for my own personal. So if I walked into the holler and saw a squatch, I'd pack up and go home. Mm-hmm. Not in a scared way, but like that's, yeah. that's it for me, right? Like they're there. So I just felt like I should point that out because... So that's not... To me, I feel like that's the beginning. It is the beginning for sure, but <laughs> but my curiosity would be satisfied. Got you. Maybe not. That's a lie. But <laughs> something would change. Um, I just want to say that because I'm about to say why I think the holler is squatchy, and I don't want people to think that I'm like making a mountain out of a molehill. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all just, you know, my knowledge i guess i'm not not an expert on squatch by any yeah. means but. specifically mel i'm asking for your opinion oh of course sorry i'm just <laughs> rambling now you know i'm who i be uh the first thing i think that really looked squatchy is just the terrain i mean these are ridges that you cannot hike up i mean we hiked up a, a less steep one and i almost about died yeah, <laughs> i mean that was true. rough i got bit by a bunch of yellow jackets in the middle which probably didn't help but so the terrain is super squatchy because it's very dense. It's old growth forest. It's not inhabited. Like your dad doesn't even hike back there anymore. And it's a part of a huge national forest. So it's protected. And it's been there for a long time. So all of those things point to me to if a squatch is in this area, it would. if it's an animal seeking to survive, these are all great places that make it a good place to live. Um, and then there's the and then physical. We also saw the blackberries too. Yes, you know there's blackberries oh, and plenty blueberries. Plenty of food. And... I mean, we saw at least three types of berries. And we know for sure there's bear up there. We saw bear scat mm-hmm. and bear tracks. Yeah, there are. I mean, the forest can sustain a large predator, is what that yep, means. Exactly. There's plenty of deer. We saw tons of deer tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of small mammals. We even I wanted to get to this a little later, but we did find like a small pond oh yeah that had been made like there was a log jam and then it flooded and created a natural pond and that is awesome i mean that means they have water it's not necessarily super fresh or clean but who knows if squatches they might be like dogs you know where they can handle more bacteria or they've got something um yeah i mean if that's their habitat mm -hmm. uh physical evidence i think is Number two, that mm-hmm. makes the holler feel super squatchy. There are lots of sapling trees that are broken off about 10 feet up. And True. they were alive when they were broken. Mm-hmm. You can tell that because of the way the wood splinters. Um, I have a degree in ecology and I taught in the forestry department at my college for a couple years. Not telling you. I'm just trying to back up like why I know about trees. Yeah, this it's like one I, thing it's I can actually in the back, on. like I said. Yes. <laughs> Um, but lot, I mean, I think at least two saplings we saw at least that we took pictures of, but we weren't searching for them either, either. Right. Um, They were just in our face. They're right there. And the theory among squatchers is that those are either communication between themselves or a warning to stay out. And it would make sense to me that that's a warning because it's right next to the human trail. It's right next to where your dad and the dogs walk up that trail all the time. Um, 
Yeah, it's like almost saying like, this is like, don't go any further. Mm -hmm. I think it would be most likely that that given the situation that there's like a dog pack at my parents' house, like, and they've got plenty of room. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they roam free and they're happy and healthy. And it's a rescue. We should say, like, they're not hoarders. (laughs) Like, they rescue dogs. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just think, you know, I I always look a little sideways when I hear someone has a bunch of dogs, but we're specialists. But they live on a farm. (laughs) Yeah. So there's room. Um, um, but they, yeah, like it, it would make sense that where that uh, sapling is broken, that it would represent, you know, go this far, but no further mm-hmm. because there's dogs, like there's a dog pack. Yeah. Um, my mom said that those trees broken, those saplings that are broken like 10 foot high are a way of uh, one Bigfoot's message to another Bigfoot or to any other animal that says, I'm this tall. Yes. So... You just better know that before you mess with yeah, me is that me. I'm this tall. How yeah. tall are you, buddy? How big a boy are you? <laughs> and that's just it. Like we since we don't know so we don't know anything about squatches and how their brains work, we don't know if they're acting in an animalistic way like that, like a purely like I'm here, this is how big I am, fear me, or if it's a complex communication system between themselves. Um I think the third thing that makes me think the holler is super squatchy is the energy there. We have to talk about that because we're witches. And I I believe that there's more to Squatch than it. I don't I don't think this is a lost great ape in the forest. Uh-huh. I think that this is a paranormal phenomenon <laughs> that, that comes into our space or reality or whatever the crap you want to call it when they deem that they want to. Um, and I've heard from a lot of people that you can communicate with them in your mind. And I've always wanted to try that. That's what I'm trying to achieve is just a comfortableness with the place before we do that. But you just get the feeling. I mean, I don't know how many times we said to ourselves hiking both weekends. We went two weekends in a row, both weekends. We looked at each other and just went like, we're being watched. Absolutely. We're definitely being watched or we would get the feeling that we shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And so we wouldn't. And we're, we're very good about that. And then other times there's, there's the feeling that you're you're being invited. Yeah. Right? And I get this sense, too, that it's almost like a privilege. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just me speaking off, like, my gut or my intuition. And, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. But I get the feeling when I go in there that whatever that energy is, like, recognizes my energy signature. Yes. And knows that. I was like a child of this land that I mm-hmm. that I grew up in this area and that I belong here, essentially, like just as much as they do. Absolutely. And I feel that when I go in. But I also get the sense that um, other people may feel very differently. Yeah. And, I, you know, I guess those people will see on the vlog, we both act so differently. <laughs> like I'm so cool and calm sitting here in the studio, but I... There's something primal that my body does when I'm in the forest at night. And it's not just this place. It's yep. I've been I've been outside a lot. And there's always I just think that my reptile brain in there knows that I should be careful no matter what is out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm like afraid by the fire. I'm like, don't you dare tell a ghost story. Like, no. <laughs> and Stell's just like, man, this is chill. Like, because, you know, you grew up there. And I do think that you form connections with spirits of the land and yeah, like the land I absolutely, itself. I feel like if anything, like I blend. And it's you of know? your blood. Yeah. Like that's so powerful. I do think there's something powerful about the mm-hmm. earth you come from. And I mean, you know, another thing too is like I spent my adolescent years in that forest and like the angst mm-hmm. and the... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that scared the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you, we should just say that's Stella's phone notification, a.k.a. Mario. Yeah, it's Mario going okie dokie. Because <laughs> in my experience, there's a chance the recording might not have even picked it up. Oh, because <laughs> like, it. it's weird. Like anything away from the microphone tends to not make it into the recording, yeah. no matter how loud it sounds in the room. But um, I was so like angsty and adolescent in those years so like those times that I was like out wandering in the woods I remember like it was moments of existential crisis and Mm -hmm. like what is my purpose where do I belong in the world and also you know I don't even I don't mind to say that like I struggled with depression like even really early on Mm -hmm. so I also just had this sort of like existential pain that I felt like all the time and, and that soaked into that place. <laughs> it could be, but I I feel like that it's almost like a trauma bond. I feel mm-hmm. like it adds to the strength to the bond. Yeah. But yeah, I could definitely see that rubbing off on the place for sure. And, you know, it all changes at night. When and it gets I was going to say the degree to which you change at night at the campground so? is surprising. It's not necessarily even bad or anything. It's Mm -hmm. just surprising that one's demeanor can change so completely. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like I can tell that you are incredibly brave, but you put all of your energy into being like incredibly brave. Yeah. So it's like I know if shit goes down that like you're exactly the kind of person I would want to be there. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Like I know that you're going to like keep cool and act. And you also know that sometimes you have to shout in my face like specific instructions. If it's like <laughs> – That's if it goes, my yeah. – I tend to be – you're like a – so fight, flight, or freeze. You're mm-hmm. fight. I'm freeze sometimes. Sure. Not every time. Sometimes yeah. I do like act. And then sometimes it's bad. And but. sometimes I freeze too. But <laughs> rarely ever do I flight. Yeah. I wish I would flight more often. That it's would be my the favorite. It's one. optimal. Yeah. Yeah. Like just run away, bitch. Yeah. No, Especially like when people. that log broke that you were standing on. Like oh, I should have just ran away. <laughs> did you run away? No. I, I caught you. <laughs> yeah, you caught me. <laughs> um, but your demeanor does change like a lot and, and you get a lot more serious. I think yeah. is the difference. Like you become a serious person and like met much less likely to laugh at a joke, but also not like a bummer either. Good. <laughs> because serious. sometimes I do feel like a bummer. Sometimes <laughs> I do feel like I'm just being a wet blanket because of my fear. And I wish I could say that something horrible happened to me in the woods at night that makes me afraid. But I've spent all my life in the forest and plenty of time in the backcountry, way more secluded than it at the holler. It just feels heavy back there though. And I feel... I just absolutely know in my bones that I am not the most powerful thing out there. And I cannot even fake it. You know, I, I, like something about my body will not let me. And that plays a big part in my spirituality. That is why I think that nature is the root of all things. And that like, I, I think that's why I think it's so important because I can feel it. I can feel the importance and the heaviness. And when darkness falls, I just, it's like I, I know I just have to sit around the fire and be safe. There's something primal that kicks in. Yeah, and it's just the fact that you're not a nocturnal creature. Like, human beings are not nocturnal, you know? So when night falls, like, it's our instinct to, like, sit by the fire and stay still. And stay in groups. I mean, I wasn't even walking away to pee. At one point, I peed, like, 
way too close to you. Oh, yeah. I was totally worried that the spray from your pee was going to, like, hit <laughs> me in the though. face. <laughs> it didn't, though, right? <laughs> no, it didn't. No, but it was that close. I think I looked at you, and I was like, dude. And you took another half step back. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was, okay, so this was in the middle of us. Oh, and I was pregnant then. That makes sense. No wonder I was peeing every two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, But anyway, I distinctly remember that that was when we had just heard that what sounded like a rock being thrown down the hill. Which I actually wanted to stop you right here. And I think we should tell the story of our two nights now in order. So first weekend, Mm -hmm. the first weekend where we are figuring out like who we are as squatchers. Sorry, I just want to throw in yes. uh, from a information perspective. Uh, this is mid- mid-July, hot, humid, uh, long days. This is the type of environment we're in. So, Yep, absolutely. And um, this was like a really hot day. And uh, it had stormed pretty hard um, in the middle of the day. But it was really like... Some like Florida weather, to be honest. It was like hot, 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 an hour of like raging storm and then hot the rest of the evening to the point that it all dried back out again. See that? I don't know. That reminds me of home. Yeah. Southern PA is almost the same climate as here. So I'm just yeah so used to it. But So, so we, this was our first time going out. So I, our, the, the gear that I have no gear, I'm completely new to it. And although I used to have like a full suite of camping gear because I used to love it, like from after I graduated high school, like into college and stuff, I really got away from, uh, people and friends that like to camp so I ended up just like slowly here and there like gifting my camping stuff to Mm -hmm. people that would enjoy it because I never got well thanks (laughs) thank you that is a sweet thing to do it's just not fun to do alone yeah you know like so and I didn't have anybody to carry it on with so um that's why another of the many reasons I'm glad that I met you Mel oh (laughs) you too still thanks (laughs) and um you know so we're it's a lot of like figure it out as you go mel's trying to outfit me with like whatever she can and i'm just making a mental note of like things that i need to get for next time i think i had like a headlamp that we got and uh so we go out there and it's like kind of mid-afternoon um it's pretty hot going back one of us is wearing about maybe 50 pounds yeah, with the pack. With the pack was about 50, and then the backpack was like 35 to 40. Plus our camp chairs Plus that we carried we, like idiots. Yeah, and they weren't even camp chairs. They're no. like the big outdoor leisure chairs that like they do fold up, but they're like twice the size of like what I think of when I think of a yeah, camping chair. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we didn't have any other – we were trying to be minimal. Right. We didn't bring a tent. We just brought a tarp to cover us up. Yeah. And so we need, we was either that or sit on the ground. <laughs> Yeah. So we had um, the way that we ended up going is that each of us had like a chair strapped to us and either the pack or the backpack. Mm -hmm. And um, so we started, you know, trudging straight back into the holler following the creek until we get to the first of several places. Like, what am I trying to say? Uh, Um, It's a wash. Yeah. The first wash. And then. I look up the steepest side of the hill and I tell Mel that it's that way. (laughs) And she, with all of her experience and knowledge 
of topography agreed to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew it would be hell. Yeah. But that was what we set out to do. And we did it, too. And we fucking did it. Even though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know at... um. There were like two times hiking up where I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm yeah. Not. And I was thinking that I had killed us. You can see the anxiety in my face. Like we stopped to record a few times and like you can see like in the tightness of my eyes that I'm actually worried that I've completely like screwed the pooch. Yeah. You, and that and you thought that you lost me. Like you thought I was never going to talk to you again and hate you. Yeah. But yeah. it was a great ass time. I get pretty dramatic sometimes. <laughs> That's what, oh, fair. That's fair. Um, but, on the way up about halfway, um, I had a really dumb moment for someone with the education I have. And here, so here's the thing. I just have to excuse myself because it's such a stupid story. I got my degree in Iowa where there is tall grass prairie. And they do have yellow jackets in Iowa. But I didn't get my ecology degree going out in the Appalachian Forest every day. Right. So there are some things that from childhood I don't remember, like that hornets can make, or sorry, yellow jackets can make their nests underground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how did I forget <laughs> that? So Stell's ahead of me, like fi- 10, 15 feet up the hill, which is a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was taking us like three minutes. And every I, two feet, we were doubling in altitude. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I stopped for a second. I don't know what I did. I think I still had my pack on, right? Yeah. And there was a rock. Like, oh, I still thought it was so cool. Like a triangular rock set in this like kind of round bump of moss, which I know now was the hor- was the nest underground. Right. But it looked like something had set the rock perfectly in there years ago and the moss had grown around it, which is why I picked it up. I just thought it was so cool. So I pick up the rock and I look at it. And I'm like, cool, put it down. And under the rock appears to be some mycelium, you know, like underground mushroom fungus. And I freaking love fungus. <laughs> so, of course, I had to touch it. And I reach out real slow with my – I had, like, my nails done. So I remember it wasn't even my finger that popped it. It was, like, my acrylic nail. <laughs> and my nail popped it. And I hear – and I see at least three immediately – fly out at me and my brain this was a flight moment my brain went uh uh bees Ah!" and i ran like i ran up the hill right to you and i was like run bees bees like i was freaking out actually my knees were touching my chest like i was running you were you somehow were running and remember like i don't know you uh, for all the elevation nerds out there like i said we're doubling in altitude every two feet that's Mm -hmm. how steep this grade was at mm-hmm. some points we had to climb yes with our hands and yeah, knees because you ground. can't stand up or you'll fall over mm-hmm. and uh i now remember that i had the pack at that point okay i had the book bag yeah, and you had the book bag so you were running you were running up at me i'm watching this whole thing and i see you look up at me and you say run bees bees run and you say it the way you say it to me is i could tell the second one the first time you're trying to warn me the second one is the second one your tone was like are you deaf you dumb bitch (laughs) i said run and i remember looking down at you and i have this i have like uh both of the chairs and the pack because i'm trying to like the heaviest stuff yeah and i so i I would estimate that probably I had about like 70 pounds total on Mm -hmm. me and I'm on this steep incline and I'm watching you running up to me 
telling me to run and I'm looking down at you and the only thing I'm thinking is like, huh, I'm going to get swarmed by hornets. <laughs> like, because there was nowhere I could go. There was nowhere to run. I was too mm-hmm. exhausted to run anyway. Yeah. And uh, so you make it up there and you immediately, I throw down my pack, you throw down your pack and you were like, uh, I I used my hat to beat off like mm-hmm. the four that had followed you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, and you killed one behind your back. Oh yeah, I slapped. You that did. You fuck. slapped it, and you you <laughs> killed it, and you were like, "Where is it?" And you could you wouldn't stop because moving. I felt yeah. the I felt the sting, and I yeah. actually thought that it was like repeatedly stinging me because logic goes out the window, right? Yeah. <laughs> but and then you were like. Uh, after that, after that happened, you were like, well, okay, I might be allergic. I might be allergic. Okay, well, I guess I can die. <laughs> and, and and you're uh, shredding, like going through the backpack, shredding, yeah, so basically like I tearing a, through it. I had a first aid kit. Uh-huh. I am a good backpacker and I always have a first aid kit. But I did not have, of course, I don't have an EpiPen because I'm not actually allergic to bees. My mother was deathly allergic and she kind of traumatized me and made me think that I would one day magically turn allergic. Like she uh-huh. always tells me that. She's like, be careful. You might get stung and die. <laughs> My mom Even did though, the same thing about peanut butter. Yeah. Like, like she, she's she, deathly like she's one of the one like if she's on the plane, they're not going to have peanuts on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's serious. And so I was just I hope, you know, I wasn't saying I guess I'll die out of anger. <laughs> my My thought process was literally like, well, you are here. And that is what will honestly happen. And <laughs> and stating out loud that I could die on that hill made me feel better. Because I, I'm stating the unknown, right? And I, I I don't know if you know this. I don't have any fear of death. I, I, I learned that, actually. Yeah. Like I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, we die I mean, when I we die. I would say, if anything, you're slightly pissed about it. About dying? Yeah. Like, that's kind of your reaction. Instead of being, like, afraid, you're like, ugh. <laughs> like, I gotta sucks. die. <laughs> well, the pain's gonna suck. Um and that's mostly what I was sitting there. That's why I said, I guess I'll die. I was picturing my death, a horrible asphyxiation death, you know, where I'm I'm swollen and you have yeah. to sit there and watch me die. That was what I was thinking about. It wasn't my own death. It was the fact that my best friend is going to sit here on this hill Aww. and watch me die. And that had to have been traumatizing. And then you were like, I bitch, I'll carry away. you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were like, I was like, just leave me here. Like, honestly, just go get some help. Leave me on this hill. I was, like, no, I, I totally, belong to the earth. I know though. I know, like, I know myself. I, I can't say I know I would do this, but I really believe in my thigh muscles that much that like, if called upon, I really do believe in my own beastitude. The, the that adrenaline. I would fireman carry you down. Like, no mm-hmm. problem. I would just like, I wouldn't, I don't even know how to fireman carry. I'd just figure it out. Yeah. You know, it just seems like you just get, you, you know. just get them up there by their legs. Exactly. Like, and I'm pretty sure that I would probably, like, jog with you like that. I mean, it was scary. And I, <laughs> but I'm not afraid to die. I mean, but, just, so that's so, the point we're halfway up the hill. Yeah, that was halfway up. <laughs> okay. So I had at least 10 yellow jacket bites. Mm-hmm. Most of them were on my feet because I wore Chacos because I underestimated this hill. Um, yeah. And so the I other- had a bunch of my feet and back and arms and. Right. And I didn't want it like I didn't tell you at the time and I'm just repeating for the sake of mm-hmm. the story. But like when I saw what was actually chasing you, I was like, this is going to suck. But these are essentially like sweat bees, basically. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, you know, it, that it's not, not going to be. Me. But it is going to suck, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> so like not. But I was just like, you know. And you told me that, which yeah. was nice. It, I was pissed about it 
because I have rejection dysphoria. Thank you, ADHD. (laughs) But you were right. (laughs) So what I did, I just chewed up like four, I think I took four all-day allergy pills. Mm -hmm. Like, and I chewed them because I thought that would get them down faster. Like Zyrtec or something. No, yeah, the, yeah, basically the green is one. what they are. The green yeah, bottle. they're like the the off-brand because yeah. I'm cheap. Certazine or whatever. Yes, because I write, I write the scientific names on the baggies, which mm-hmm. is what you yeah. should do. Pro tip for a first aid kit, because if a paramedic needs to know what you took, they will know what that is. Um, and I stung. I mean, I was miserable the rest of the night and stingy, but I didn't die. <laughs> then we – so – at some point, I know, like, towards the last bit, like, somehow you rallied and, and helped, like, got up the rest of the way. And, yeah. like, I, I took both of the chairs from then on. But at one point, I was, like, you had gotten way on ahead. And uh, all you could do was just stand on this rock on this steep, steep climb where you can't come back down mm-hmm. to help me because then you risk getting yourself in a situation again mm-hmm. um, just by returning but all you can do is just watch me and I'm army crawling and I actually have, I was on my hands and knees with an, with a chair in each hand. Mm -hmm. And I was actually using like the weight of the chairs to like pull me up the side. And I felt like Mulan (laughs) and and, like I was, I was singing like, let's get down to To business business to defeat defeat the Huns. Huns. And I mean, I was like, I just felt like, you know, yeah, that. I think my adrenaline kicked in. Yeah. I think the adrenaline kicked in and was like, you're mm-hmm. fucking here. You're halfway up. You're not. I I refused. I mean, there was one point before the jackets, the yellow jackets that I was like, we need to stop. We need to camp here. But that was a shitty campsite. I mean, we're on the side of like a mountain that's at like a 60 degree angle. And there's like this thing where like this optical illusion where it looks like you're approaching the top like for mm-hmm. the second. The whole second half looks like the top is just 10 we feet away. We kept saying we were so close. Yeah. But, you know, and it just it looked like it was. But at that point when you said let's camp here, I think I pointed up and said like there's the sky. Like mm-hmm. I can see the sky. Like mm-hmm. that's got to be the top. And you rallied and made it the hell up there. Like I yeah, salute I you for that. Thank you. You too, girl. <laughs> Thank we you. We did that shit. <laughs> So we get to camp, I uh, set up our tarp. And what does it look like up there? It's really interesting. It's like it's like the side that we hiked up was the very forefront. If you imagine, if so, I'm always visualizing topo maps in my brain. Uh-huh. Um, if this ridge this ridge was almost like a finger coming out of the top of the ridges of the mountains. Right. And so we had like come up on the tip and so when you walked up, it was like you were in an amphitheater, like everything is like the trail is round. Right. And there's like a center part that is like, I mean, it was covered in berry bushes, blackberries. Uh-huh. blackberries. We had a great blackberry dinner. Oh, yeah, we did. But it was very wild. I mean, there's trees on, like, not obviously cut down. And then you saw there's, the trail. There's shrubby growth. The trail is there for sure, but there's shrubby growth taking over. Right. Um, and so we just decided to camp, like, in, I think, the most open spot, right on the ridge. And you could see that it was still an ATV trail, no? Yes. Like, you could still see the, had tire, the tire tracks. Yeah. yeah, you could definitely see it. Like I said, fire is really important for my mental well-being. And we didn't get any evidence collected that night because we were just trying to survive. We ruined a couple batteries trying to make a fire. But we could not get this battery and dryer lint to light and I just think that was fate. I just think we weren't supposed to have a fire yeah, that night. Yeah, somehow neither one of us had a lighter, mm-hmm. you know, of all the times that we've been camping. I mean, and and you more so than me, too. But, I, I mean, I've done it enough that there's no excuse 
whatever yeah. I should know. And it was just bad luck that you had happened to like be doing something in your bag that made you like remove your fire waterproof matches, your survival matches. Yeah, I cleaned and out the first aid kit. Yeah. Your solution ended up being pretty creative. Like once you know, you kind of came to terms with the fact that like we're not gonna have a fire. We're not going to have a hot dinner. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not going to have hot food. We're not going to have light, protection, safety. You opened up your MacBook and put... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about put that. Put the Yule log. Yule log goes scra. 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 That's our, that's our favorite. She put like a YouTube video a of fire. a fire, of a fake fire. And then, like, and then she set it in the fire pit mm -hmm. <laughs> so that it looked like we and had like a little movie that. fire. Yeah. <laughs> that was also I could fall asleep because I just, I knew and, I just had yeah, to Yeah, and like, it, you know, I was worried about you still like, mostly I was worried about you mentally because I knew physically you would be okay. But if mentally you felt like you were dying, then... Mm -hmm. That's all, you know, like that, that has a powerful effect on how you feel and, and yeah. what you're able to do. For sure. Um, so I wanted you to definitely go to sleep, mm -hmm. which this then leaves me alone. So uh, tell them, tell everyone <laughs> what you saw after I fell asleep. Well, I had been trying to create like a nice little atmosphere so that Mel would feel better. So while she was like messing around with the fire and stuff, I was like uh, hanging up glow sticks and like making this little vibey like mood lighting kind of mm -hmm. thing we and did have a lot of glow sticks yeah we had a we bought a lot because they were like really cheap at the dollar general mm -hmm. half off baby yeah shout out to dollar general yeah that <laughs> after fourth of july sale <laughs> i love them because i don't have to go to walmart sometimes my mom had told us to get those things because those bright colors and stuff attract Bigfoot. And I wasn't like in my right mind clearly thinking. But basically what I ended up doing was dressing up my friend's sleeping area <laughs> as like a bright neon sign. Like, come here, <laughs> come check this out. <laughs> and yeah. it's like I was using her as live bait, which Fair. would you have been pregnant then? No. Okay. <laughs> I was pregnant the next weekend. Because that would have been even better. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess you could say I was pregnant. There yeah. was an egg floating around yeah. in there, but I it wasn't you. doing anything. Um, it's really interesting to think about, isn't it? <laughs> like what was going on. And the fact that we times. had a lot more evidence the first time mm -hmm. and not when I was. I can't wait until I'm big and round. Like I want to go squatching when I'm obviously visually pregnant. Nice. Because I've just heard a lot of anecdotal stuff about like pregnant and nursing mothers getting a lot of squatch activity because it makes them curious. That's so cool. Um, and maybe at some point too, we could have like one little one and one pregnant one. Right. That'd be so cool. Um, so uh, that night, um, I my gun jammed. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time that because it's ever happened. What, what got on it? I think Spilled that a bag of grapes... Yes, like that's my theory because somehow like I pulled my gun out of my pack and it was sticky and like literally sticky and stuck together mm -hmm. and shout out to my husband for cleaning it and oiling it up for me again so it's what in tip man. top shape yeah <laughs> so big appreciate um and uh I don't know where like okay I'm just talking so about so I remember falling asleep okay. I also had my gun on my lap mm -hmm. oh yeah I borrowed your gun for and a little I put bit a, a bullet in my chamber yeah which i don't do unless i intend to kill something right i am a huge gun safety nerd uh-huh guns are not toys guns are not for fun <laughs> like i 
I carry that gun in case, like, in case of emergencies, and I never put one in the chamber. Mm -hmm. And my gun, I have an MS shield that has, like, a back grip safety even. Like, it's, uh-huh. so yeah. what I'm trying to say is, like, this was a big deal for me. But yeah. I felt the need to have a loaded gun on my lap. Um, but I remember falling asleep, and I remember waking up twice. Mm-hmm. And the first time I woke up, you were shining your phone. Yeah, it was my phone light that seemed to wake you up. Yeah, and I immediately came to it, which you were impressed. You were like, can't believe you're awake. But like, that's my instincts. And (laughs) it happened again. It was was like, I swear it was like the little click sound of my light coming on that woke you up. (laughs) And it was like such a quiet sound. As we're having this conversation, and I'm just like realizing that I very much do change completely in the woods. Uh I just wonder if there's like a genetic trait that I've got. That makes me more predisposed to being cautious or on high alert in the forest. Absolutely. I mean, because there, if you woke me up in bed like that, uh-huh. I would not be with it. But I remember turning my head, talking to you for 30 seconds. Like I was fully aware and I remember it. And I turned. So the reason why I turned that light on is because I heard a huge crashing sound really close to our camp. Mm-hmm. And it was after I had heard some whooping. Yes. And the whooping whooping sound that I heard, um, I'm also, I'm not saying it was a Bigfoot or anything. None of this am I saying is it is. I'm just saying what I heard. And the whoop sounded a little bit different than what I expected, which actually makes me believe it even more. It sounded like whoop instead of like a whoop. Mm-hmm. Which is, I expected it to be more like a whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. But like it, it was like a syllables. whoop. I don't know. I might have told you this too, but I've mm-hmm. definitely thought it before. So the Sierra sounds are, you've seen the Missing 411, the Hunted from the 70s where they record the conversations. Um, in my opinion, it's really hard evidence. He basically, uh, I can play him for you. Maybe we can pause it and I'll play him for you. Mm-hmm. Because I think... That was recorded in the Sierra Mountains in California. And I believe they're real for a lot of reasons. But my theory is that that is a Western Sasquatch accent. You uh-huh. know, and that is where our knowledge of whoops come from. Like that film was the okay. first recorded okay. whoop. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so now everyone's thought is that they're like whoop. But you heard maybe, you know, an yeah, Appalachian I would say, Squatch. you know, like I was expecting a W-O-O-P. Mm-hmm. And I got a W-O-O-O-O-P. Mm-hmm. I heard that whoop and I also had this feeling I later on I learned like my mom told me that there is a history of um, Sasquatches being on our family ranch in Montana that um, my great grandmother called them ridge runners. They didn't call them. Yeah. And so we were up on a ridge, but there were ridges also to our left and to our right. And I had this feeling like where we're sitting and we're kind of in this like, what am I trying to say? Like a three point. Yeah, it's like, where the ridge comes to a point. Yeah, we're like at a point. the hill. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and so I'm like archipelago or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to whatever that word it's like is. a peninsula. Peninsula. That's mm-hmm. the, thank you. A peninsula. <laughs> um, and uh, so I could hear on either sides of the peninsula, it sounded like there was whooping. I had already felt like I could hear um, knocking sounds and like loud sound, crashing sounds, and like maybe even almost like a chuckling. 
that I had heard on left and right, but it was far enough away that I was like, whatever this is, it's not right on top of me. Yes. Like it is not, it wasn't like when I turned the light on. Yeah. And this was before. So I already had this feeling that like we were being watched on several sides and that the groups were communicating to move in closer and updating each other. It's almost like they started out far away on different sides and they were like, okay, I'm going to go around this way. You go around that mm-hmm. way. And then like, you know, just judging because I could sit here and try to describe all the sounds that I heard. But I think it makes more sense to like put it into like my narrative experience to give your interpretation. And I'm not saying like, Mm -hmm. you know, but my experiences seem to be that these groups were communicating with each other and talking about what they were seeing as they got closer and closer to us. So to the point that I heard those crashing sounds, I fully expected that it's whatever I heard earlier Mm -hmm. had finally come through. Shortly after that, the bush next to your chair moved. Yeah. Describe how it moved because we've spent a couple of weeks now talking about this bush incident. And I'll give you my thoughts after you tell it. It reminded it. Okay. I'll be honest, I told myself that it was a Sasquatch because I would rather think it was a Sasquatch than what it looked like, which it looked like a snake. Okay. Like the way that the bush was moving right next to your chair was like a slithering sort of like forward motion. Something is snaking through. It looked like something was snaking through the bush. Yeah. And, you know, that's... And it happened twice, right? And it did. It happened twice. Um... That And that's what made me think it wasn't a snake after that, because it would make no sense that the snake would like go one way across camp and then, and then the come other. Yeah. yeah, it was odd. And I don't I didn't wake up for that. But I could totally see it being like a little punk adolescent Sasquatch saying like, look, guys, look how close mm-hmm. I'm going to get to him. Which ties into uh, the track we found. You found. Oh, yes. And the next day, the next morning, I found... Um, my first track and I was really proud of it because it was very degraded and old Mm -hmm. like it looked like it was at least from the last time that it had been made muddy yeah and it was um a log had decomposed there and so it wasn't in soil it was in like a do you know how like when the log decomposes it's like Mm -hmm. that spongy mulch yeah exactly it was in that and so you can tell that it it wasn't a perfect track to begin with. And you can't see you can't see it well at all in the pictures, but actually my mom said that she could see it pretty well, but what but she said she could see it because she's used to looking for dirt that's been compacted versus dirt that's not been disturbed yes. yet for her own like rock digging. Mm-hmm. So she said that because she looks at dirt all the time, she was able to look at like the difference of the compressed dirt versus mm-hmm. not and then was able to make out the, the print. Yeah. But and I'll be the first to say it's very degraded and not that clear. Yeah. And we, we have plaster of Paris with us, but we couldn't make it. It was no use yeah. in doing it because it wasn't going to turn out well enough. Um, it was if it was a Sasquatch track, it was probably a juvenile. It was probably about the size a little bit bigger than my feet. I'm a size nine. Um, but there is absolutely no way in hell that that was a human track. There's absolutely, that trail has been closed for 15 years. Minimum. It was barefoot. There's no way, there's no way that people are walking around up there. 
in bare feet. Yeah, not after we climbed up. And we went and looked at a topo map, and there are slightly easier ways mm-hmm. than how we did it. But there was nothing that would there's suggest. There's no easy way. There's no, no easy way up. Mm-mm. We've actually been talking about maybe making a rope. Like yes. a like like hanging a rope to help climb up. Yeah. And, you know, the possibility that someone is up there is highly unlikely. It's also blocked off. I mean, we couldn't walk on the trail. Uh-huh. Like there was only probably 30 yards of trail that was actually accessible to us walking because there were physical barriers. Oh, my, my parents' property is the only thing even remotely nearby that is not like wilderness or locked by like a big mm-hmm. river or something. Like it, it's just naturally like our plate, the way we go at it is like the only way yeah. to go without going way out of your way. Way out of the way, miles out of the way. Mm-hmm. Miles. So I think that was the evidence. I think that was all of our evidence for our first trip. Mm-hmm. But we went and then home. We, how long did it take us to get down the hill? About 15 minutes. <laughs> At <laughs> I mean, most. <laughs> and we scooted down on our butts a couple times. Yeah. It was like pretty easy. It was like almost gross how easy it was mm-hmm. like, compared to how off. hard it was yeah. to get up there. Um, uh, let's take a little break. And perfect. then we'll talk about our second weekend, our second consecutive weekend where we also had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're back. Okay, so we just listened to the Sierra sounds, and uh, Stella's having a moment. I'm upset. I'm upset because it sounds so much like what I heard that I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm really underselling how I'm feeling right now. I can see the fear in your eyes right now. I'm terrified. Like, I... It's... I want you to know that that feeling of absolute disbelief and fear and like gut rolling truth has happened to me before. Yeah, you're shaking. I almost want to make you listen to the rest of them out of like I, I villain had to make, vibes. But I, I had to ask Mel to stop because it was like too much. So the samurai chatter, which is what they call it, which I think is pretty racist, Loki. Um, which is, is the, the chuckling that I. Yeah, which is, I think, what Stella heard is chuckling. And here's the thing. Like, you said that, uh, like, what I heard on that recording was the W-O-O-O-O-P. Mm-hmm. I heard it on there, too. And that's just not what I expected it to sound like. Mm-hmm. It's something that I can understand. I can never bring this to somebody as, like, proof, but it's proof to me. Yeah, right? Yeah. Can I tell you my experience, my my opening, I think? Uh, was when I was in Iowa. And, you know, for me, like, especially if I had Squatch evidence in Iowa, that was pretty hard hitting because of how little forest there is there. But we were in a river valley and we were doing an investigation at night and we did a wood knock. And about 45 seconds later, we heard a wood knock back. And you can't convince me that a woodpecker was awake at 3 a.m. and gave me one resounding, you know. I mean, it was... I just remember feeling my stomach sink and it wasn't a game anymore. (laughs) Before that, it was like a fun camping trip. Like, ooh, we're going out at night to investigate. That gave me the feeling that this wasn't a game. There was, uh, this reminds me of like another aspect of that first um, night that we spent out there that I hadn't talked about yet. Mm. And 
that was going back to I wanted you to go to sleep because I was worried about what you'd been through and like the mental toll that it might take on you. And like for some reason, you know, just like you think about fire and security, mm-hmm. I think my first thought survival wise out in the woods is like how to like keep yourself mentally okay. Mm-hmm. Like that that becomes like my main focus is how do I keep myself sane? How do I keep myself level? And how do I relax and um, persist despite difficult circumstances? Because I feel like when you lose your mind, like that's when you're lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to really deal with that. And I thought for your mental health, you needed to get some sleep. And also for your physical health, because you needed some time to like let your body work out some of those things mm-hmm. and, and like actually heal. And uh, that meant that I had to spend like some of the longest, darkest night is like darkest night hours mm-hmm. by myself, um, conserving my battery, thinking about, you know, like making sure that I'm maintaining a good balance of using my uh, phone and not using it. Um, we did have service, so I was lucky. And I, I texted my mom back and forth a little bit to keep me company, but I tried not to um, have it going too much because I didn't want it to run out of juice. And it's what we'd been recording with, so I only had like 30% left. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had set it aside, and I mean, it was just me staring out into the blackness of the forest for hours. And this is like knowing that at any point I could wake you up and that you mm-hmm. could be there. You know, like, so it was my choice. Um, But I just really had to, like, become confronted with terror Mm -hmm. and what the way that it acts on the mind. And I mean terror as, like, a a mental state Mm -hmm. and um, how noises can start to sound magnified Mm -hmm. and everything, like, my hearing became sharper your animal brain kicks in. Exactly. And like it it's a completely altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to tread very carefully through that. Um that in many ways my mind would be my own worst enemy when it comes to like what's the most dangerous thing out here in the dark. Yeah, probably my mind creating stuff yeah. is more dangerous than anything Our that's guns. actually out there. <laughs> right. Like, so like, but that was like a real serious experience, like with terror for mm-hmm. me in a way. And it, it never came to a point that I felt like was overwhelming. I felt like I definitely I'm not going to say that I was like, I, I mean, I was super brave for mm-hmm. sure, because you can still be scared and be brave. So let's contrast that with our second camping trip. Because our second camping trip, we were in a different mind space, and we had a different experience. Absolutely. So our second trip, we decided to not hike up the ridge because it was kind of unsustainable, and we also um, were dead set on having fire. So we just stayed on the trail that was established by Pops, and he actually created like a little hammock village there Mm -hmm. that we set our hammocks up at. We had, we went back, we actually dropped our stuff, went back with our packs and filled them up with wood from right. the shop. And so we had wood. We were about three quarters of a mile into mm-hmm. the woods, but, you know, a very windy kind of rocky 
very secluded. You know, three quarters of a mile from and we anything. Basically, went as far as we could go on the trail before there was a log jam. That same log jam that created the pond we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, no one in my family had seen what was behind the log jam. Yeah, no one knew until you found it the next day. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That's awesome. We had plenty of firewood. We had a camp stove. Yep, we had a camp stove with fuel. We had uh, bacon, bacon and, and egg bacon and egg sandwiches. Oh, it was so. I good. mean, that was a totally different. And we were like right next to the creek, so we also had like a convenient place to like rinse and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. And, and water that we we could drink in an emergency. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Um, so I felt a lot safer, and I do think that we traded our safety. For the evidence, because we did not get the activity levels that we got when we were up on the ridge. But it was not nothing, was it? No, it it wasn't nothing, Mm -hmm. but you could tell they were up there. Yeah. That's where they were. That goes back to why did my great-grandmother call Call them them the ridge ridge runners? runners. That's a common, I was going to say, that's a common thing they're called in the West. Okay. Not that your grandmother that, wasn't I mean, special, but that she, is... My family is the West. Like, it that, is that's, their That's my heritage, like, yeah. on my mom's side. So they're, those are my people, like, Tombstone and all that for stuff. For sure. You know? Like, that's my family. They are... That is, like, a really common kind of backwoodsy, old-fashioned word for squatches. And if... This might just be my perspective from they the media. They were, like, her babies. She loved them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, like, my perspective from the media, maybe, but maybe not, is that when people call them ridge runners, they're... They're viewing them differently because I actually, I'll be honest, I hate the word Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I think it's it's a white man word that we made up in the 60s. -hmm. And each Indian tribe has their own word for them. But Sasquatch is like kind of the OG um, Northwest tribes. I'm going to go with Sam Squanch for the win is my favorite. Sam Squanch is the best. (laughs) Um, But people who call them Ridge Runners tend to have an attitude of like thinking of them as people and developing relationships with them. And viewing them as more than just an ape to be studied. I also am going to say that probably there's a good chance that my great-grandmother um, ascribed to the Sons of Cain theory because mm. she would have been a very devout Mormon. Okay. Because, like, part of that, my family there was, like, the beginning of the Mormon church mm-hmm. in uh, Salt Lake. Yeah, and I, God, I hate that theory, Loki. <laughs> Not to be offensive, no. <laughs> no, I'm just because saying, like, I, you know. I think I had a rant about this like a day ago that the, we just live in a Christian society and people have got to view things from throw the lens of the Bible before anything else. It just shouldn't else. necessarily be the default. Exactly, it's the default and that bothers me. But, but yeah, that's it's just awesome. And so I guess the experience we had that night, we heard a lot of things crashing around us. And that's a, one thing is that you get used to that you don't hear at the top of the hill, mm-hmm. but you do hear at the bottom is that it always kind of sounds like it's softly raining leaves. Yes. So, and you know, there's a lot of little tiny seeds drops. Seeds were falling. And seed pods, of course. I forget what tree because I identified the tree on the way out, so, but there was a tree in season that was dropping. But that being said, you get used to that ambient sound. Mm-hmm. So Stella <laughs> essentially had something thrown at her. She had rocks. At my hammock. (laughs) Small rocks hit her hammock by her head. Yeah, which would mean it it would have to be coming from the side because I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, the top. I'm covered. Mm -hmm. So, and it came, it like came, it hit the side of where near my, where my head was. And it reverberated the sound just like if you had your head on a table and somebody came next to you and like smacked the table. That's like what it sounded like. like. Yeah. It like rang in my head because it, it hit and echoed. Mm-hmm. and it hit me from the side. And I remember when that happened, because we were both laying in our hammocks, like 
we weren't going to sleep, but we decided to just chill. Mm-hmm. And I was fully awake. And I remember you you were like all cocooned like a burrito. And you were like, yeah. dude, something just hit my head. It's fine. <laughs> but something just hit my head. Yeah. <laughs> and that is huge. Sasquatches for, um, I would argue, thousands of years have been known to throw rocks. And I was just telling you about, we're going to call out Astonishing Legends for the million times. They just uh, dropped an episode about Sasquatch history. Uh-huh. And I believe, I might be misquoting, but I think the word Sasquatch is derived from something that means like rock thrower. <laughs> and like that is like a lot of the etym- entomology of their name in a lot of different places. And it's just something that's kind of known that they've always done. And it if totally you think about didn't it, feel like they, I didn't feel like they were trying to like bean me or anything, you know? No, it's a curiosity thing, right? Yeah. It's like us poking a dead body exactly. in a swamp. Like, and it kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. I very much get all the vibes when I when you know when I do that it's a curiosity. And that's why I, I try to do the most to provoke their curiosity. And I know that you and I have felt we had felt pressure drops happen a mm-hmm. couple of times. I don't know if that could be a natural phenomenon or yeah. what, but if you remember at least two different times we both felt like a pressure change. It was like when you dive down too far in the pool. Exactly. And it your ear like starts to ears. hurt. Mm-hmm. And then it would go away, but there was there was still like a ringing almost. Yeah. Like someone, it was like someone, it was all, it was like ultrasound or infrasound That's, that they used. I'm wondering. It was like if, someone had a giant speaker on up at the top of the hill and it was hitting us. I'm wondering too, like in the same way that bats use echolocation uh, mm-hmm. to find their way, mm-hmm. that if by throwing a rock at something and listening to the sound it makes, if the Sasquatch gets more information than we do from that. Maybe. Like that maybe they're, you know, like maybe they can hear the sound and like they get an idea of like what your body's composed of or like how much water's in you or something because they can hear the sound that the rock is making. And it's like an experience thing. Yeah. Like they learn to know. Yeah. like From hitting animals or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like it may, it's a thought. It's totally a valid thought. It's (laughs) it's one of the least outlandish squatch theories there is. (laughs) So yeah, you were hit. With some rocks, um, there was – so where our campsite is, we're in a creek bed, and there are hills to our to, – to your left and right and to my front and back because uh-huh. of how our hammocks were set up. Exactly. So I'm, I'm facing the hill that we climbed up the last weekend. Uh-huh. And we heard, I want to say, at least four times. Yeah. We heard what sounded like either a tree branch being kind of like tossed right. and then rolling down the hill yep. or a, a large rock. Mm-hmm. And the loudest one I did not hear, like based on your reaction there, the one yeah. that seemed to be the loudest, you told me that it was the loudest thing you had heard all night. And meanwhile, I had just had the kind of sleep that just felt like I blinked and yeah. I didn't sleep at all, but I'd actually been asleep for a while. It definitely sounded like, you know, and this is my interpretation. I want to say that we do make a distinction between I'll describe exactly what I heard and then I'll give my interpretation. It sounded like something very large fell or intentionally crashed through brush uh, on its way down the hill and then landed on something hard. And so in my interpretation was that, I mean, my so very first... it was like first, a whoosh bonk kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, but not a bonk. Like it was a rock noise. Okay. And... You know, the part of the creek we're at, there are very large slabs of limestone. Mm-hmm. And so this, it sounded like, you know, maybe a squatch had like jumped, 
and then slid down the hill, you know, like for funsies, like on a sled, <laughs> like is what it sounded like. And then there was like quiet, quiet, quiet. And then like a, like a real dull thunk. And it almost sounded a little wet. I wonder if that was when the rock cracked. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Is that what you were going to say? Because the next morning, so yeah, I woke you up because I was like, that's the biggest thing we've heard, right? You didn't discuss this with me, this theory. Okay. I thought we did the (laughs) next day. No, you just didn't, you didn't describe it. There is a phenomenon where like while you're in the situation, you're chill and you don't think about discussing it, right? Like you just take the evidence as it is and then. I could totally see not wanting to. What do you mean? Not wanting to talk about it? Yeah. Well, I just think it's an inherent thing that happens to me. Like my brain doesn't think about analyzing it until I'm at home. But that next day we are in the creek washing out our egg pan. And one of the large like slab stones that is literally like 10 feet away from my hammock had a huge crack in the middle and a huge, there were like two parts where rocks were chipped off and it was not there the day before. It was absolutely not because I sat on that rock mm-hmm. and filled up our water the day. I mean, yeah, that was the source of our like rinsing water and stuff. So yeah. like we we walked over it a bunch of times. That rock was not broken and it wasn't easily broken either. No, that was what made me scared the next day was that like it didn't sound that close. If I had been guessing that night, I would have thought that it was maybe about 30 yards down the stream is that's where it was crashing. But I think that that was my nervousness. Yeah, you you seem to be like pretty convinced that those two things weren't related. It seemed like when, but I could totally see that being like avoidance of it. It's hard to explain what happens, but you almost don't want to acknowledge because you're there and it's scary, right? Like exactly, yeah. I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that something had probably landed ten feet away from me last night and had seen me. Yeah, like I didn't see it. Yeah. And like the first night that we went, like I didn't talk to you until the car. Like I didn't mm-hmm. talk to you about anything until the yeah. car. On our way back, like 40 minutes into the drive, like a long time. Yeah. It like Sorry. didn't feel safe. Well, I think that uh, that covers all of the things that we've experienced so far. And I just finished the last of that recording that uh, you played for me of some Sasquatch sounds that were captured. The Sierra sounds. The Sierra sounds. And um, I'm now, like, questioning everything because um, I, as I was listening to, like, all these different sounds of the forest, like, that first night, um, there were so many things I was rationalizing, like some of the sounds to be like, oh, that sounds like a coyote. Oh, that sounds like some kind of night bird. Oh, that's an owl, maybe. And now, based on those sounds, if those sounds are to be believed, then it sounds like um, the Sasquatch habitually copies a lot of sounds or imitates like a lot of those common mm-hmm. forest mm-hmm. sounds. So everyone, just when you go to sleep at night, remember that you might think that it's a coyote and it could be a Sasquatch. You know, all the things that we've experienced and now I'm that I've listened to the Sierra sounds, I'm even more convinced, you know, that a lot of the sounds that I was hearing like could actually be incorporated into a Sasquatch experience. But the on the second hike on the second day, went for a walk up to the log jam and um, I was determined if I went find a way around it 
So I, I did. I climbed up and over, and it was only rough for about 30 seconds to a minute of, like, really steep, like, a few steep steps. And then it's, you know, not a big deal at all. And you go around the hill, and then uh, I got really excited, and I went back down, and I had to bring Mel up there. <laughs> and uh, when we went back up there, it's a clearing, and you can see that what has happened is a flash flood has like carved off, like sheared off a part of the hillside. So instead of like having this canopy, it's just wide open and there's short grass growing there and there's a big like secret pond. I didn't make, I didn't connect these dots until just now, uh-huh. but I think that's the only true delta I've ever seen. And it's not a true delta in like where a river, you know, washes out, uh-huh. but it looked just like that. Like if exactly. it came from up the top of the hill and it washed out in like a triangle Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like a true delta. Mm-hmm. The little pond was amazing. There were so many frogs uh-huh. like jumping in and out. The little air bubbles. Yeah. Coming up we from heard the water. birds and ducks and there was a lot of wildlife back there and for sure squatchy. Um, I don't know if I would drink the water, but I think a squatch would. Yeah, uh, for We sure. are hoping, I don't know how feasible it is if we want to take our hammocks, but we're hoping to go to that spot on our next investigation. Yeah, because it shows like, because since it's been washed out and it's basically like a gravelly side of the hill, um, it's fully exposed and we can see our way all the way up to the top. Like we don't have to guess where the top is. And in a lot of ways, the rocks make like a natural staircase so we can yeah. kind of step up. And I even like drug some big trees out that were like yes. blocking the way up the hill. So next time we would have a clear shot. And I found some awesome fossils for my students. Absolutely. Um, and I've got a lot of them still by my TV while I'm thinking of it. I, you know, I left them in my classroom uh-huh. and I think some of the other teachers thought I was weird, but I was like, you don't know how common these are. Like, I find fossils every time I go down to the holler. Yeah, they're and, everywhere. And, like, sacrificing four or five for my kids to throw around in school is nothing. Yeah. Um, I think we might be able to make it to the top through that clearing for sure. Because oh, it looked yeah. doable. And you can see the top. We got halfway up. I yeah. mean, we got halfway up Just casually looking for rocks. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm so excited. And we're um, hoping, too, as the fall comes in, that there will be fewer deer ticks out there mm-hmm. and that we will be able to get access to more of this trail that was grown over. And more visibility. Mm-hmm. We'll have better visibility when the trees drop their leaves. I want to kind of comment again, if I can circle back to what you said about them imitating animals and like you thinking that you're hearing, you know, whippoorwills or owls or whatever. And not necessarily whippoorwills, but that just saying that it could be a bird because it reminds me of like yes. a whippoorwill's yeah, vocalizations. Like thinking you're reminded of something. Exactly. But I it wonder, wasn't exactly. Yeah, I wonder if there's like just if that's just skill we'll learn over time to, you know, learn different sounds from the other or if there's some type of technology that can help us learn. I'm just I'm just being curious. This- it's interesting. This may be my own hubris, but I feel like now that I've like stayed up through the night and listened to those sounds, and now that I've listened to the Sierra sounds, Mm -hmm. that I feel like I'll know the difference now. For sure. Education is everything. Like, and that's why I really do believe our instincts because I, at its core, I think that we are products of the earth and we belong to the forest inherently. Like modern humans think that like nature is nature and Humanity is humanity. Like, all the time at work, like, kids will find beetles. Because our classroom is like a big pole barn. It's a nature school. And they'll find beetles. And they'll be like, it's a bug. Ah, 
And I'm like, yeah, but we built a school on this bug's home. Yeah. The the bug didn't come into our home. You know, we built it on top. Like, we're all, that's our natural state of being. And so I do trust our instincts and our interpretations when we're out there. I want to talk a little bit about our equipment because that's a big, a lot of squatchers, I think, are just in it because they like being techies. Um, oh, right. They want an excuse to like. Yeah, to buy, buy fancy stuff. Hey, I can relate to that. Like, it's my dream to have um, a metal detector. And, yeah. like, thinking about also the fact that Daniel Boone came through there, which means that probably relatively a lot of other people came through there, mm-hmm. um, makes me think that we might really find something cool if we have a metal detector. Right. Like, something really cool. Well, it's illegal on the National Forest, so hush, hush, but <laughs> I won't tell you. What'd you say? I'm talking. I said, shh. <laughs> I, I'm I'm talking about on my dad's property. Of course. I'm not going to yeah. drive you out. Of course. Um, so I don't have a lot of equipment, obviously, because we're not rich. <laughs> like, it's expensive stuff. Kind of the holy grail is, like I said, the thermal camera, because you can see if something's walking around. Um, I have a parabolic dish, though, that is able to record little snippets of recording. And uh, we forgot some equipment last time, but... We're going to bring that. That, I think, will help our, you know, our ability to, to, what's the word, debunk certain sounds and yeah. focus on others more. We're also going to try to set up some recorders for, like, long-term recording. Uh, you can, like, hook up D batteries to a, to a digital recorder and then just basically keep it in a waterproof thing. And I've heard Make it from- motion activated. No, it's just on all the time. On all the time. Mm-hmm. I actually, I would love to go through. Yeah, that. I can't wait to start doing that. I also think a trail cam would be great. Although, I don't believe that a squash is going to walk in front of a trail cam because I think they're smarter than that. But we should see what's going through I the mean, area. I bet that they probably can sense electronics. For sure. I, I mean, I you know, like I, I'm starting to become open to that. Mm-hmm. And I that think there may for be sure. something to the infrasound, and that it's related to that. That the they're using infra- an electro- electronical type thing they have in their brain. Yeah, that the mm-hmm. basically the infrasound could be a two-way street, like a yeah. echolocation again. And it's interesting. We talked about the PGF, and that was with film. That was an analog camera. And did that have a different, you know, what if we went out there with a film camera? Maybe we might see different things. I wish we could have one that was like motion activated. Like something we, that just clipped a picture when yeah. something moved in front of it. I mean, you wouldn't need, that'd be like very rudimentary technology. Mm-hmm. I wonder even if we could get like an old tape recorder. We need a Polaroid camera. And just bring a <laughs> tape recorder to like run. Yeah. And see if we get anything different on the analog. Just I, on. that's how I used to, I used to do like little paranormal investigations when I was like 12, 13. Yes. Tell them about the place you went because that's where oh, okay. inspired me about this. This was many years ago and I don't want to give more detail than that because we were trespassing mm-hmm. at the time. And um, it involves having to go through a cow field um, in the dark because if you go in the daytime, like they'll call the cops, they're like, the people that own that property now are really famous for like calling them. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go check out this really cool building, that's definitely worth trying to check out. Yeah. Like, especially if you intend to leave no trace and do no harm. Yeah. But, um, 
So uh, we go out there and we're walking through this cow field in the dark, which is terrifying because these cows are like black, most of them. And Mm -hmm. some of them are like spotted, but um, you really can't see them out in the dark. So it's and now that I think about it, like that's so stupid. It was so dumb of us. I don't to think do it's that. super dangerous, right? As I would long just as be not a bull. Yeah, right. Like, but we didn't know. Yeah, you didn't. You know, know. like it, it could have been, and mm-hmm. like we wouldn't know anything. And like they're in and the no dark. And no one would have known. You would yeah. have just died in a dark cow field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we but we made it. Uh, there were there was a group of four of us, and um, the way that you have to get into the factory is climbing up the loading dock. Like you have to hoist yourself up, and then roll under the sliding door mm-hmm. um, because there's like a two foot gap yeah um in the loading bay that you can just roll underneath and then you're in the building it is like a very creepy building like and it looks like it has been closed off since like the 50s maybe mm-hmm. um and some of the signage and stuff on the inside and the paint and like the style of lettering and stuff that was on things really was more reminiscent of like the 20s or the 30s. It was just so interesting. There was a lot of broken glass everywhere. There were a lot of old light bulbs in different styles and like mm-hmm. tubes and bulbs and cool. different things. Yeah, lots of broken glass, like I said. Um, and there was a basement. Um and looking down, I remember I used to have a picture looking down into the basement, and you could see that it was half full of water. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just flooded Ugh. and half full, and, like, you could see the lights hanging down from the ceiling in the basement, and it just being, like, only a couple feet above the water. Yeah. So, and it looked really trippy. It looked, like, straight out of a Resident Evil video game. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember thinking that, that it, it looked like something out of a zombie horror. Yeah. And I was recording on tape the whole time as we uh, went through, as well as taking pictures. And um, on the way back out, there is one moment on the tape, like when we're really close to leaving. So like I've already listened to maybe an hour of audio, like Mm -hmm. of going in, walking around, whatever. And then at the very end of the recording, like towards the end as we're walking out, I pick up this voice on the recorder and I really don't know who it is and it didn't sound like anybody that was with us. And if I recall correctly, um, when I first listened back to it, it was my understanding that we were all in the dark, but I was holding the recorder in front of me and I could look ahead and see the other three people Mm -hmm. that were in my group. We were all together and I could see them in front of me. Like I was close enough to them to see their outline, but they weren't behind me. Mm -hmm. And the way that I'm holding the recorder, it sounds like this sound is coming from, like, over my shoulder. Okay. And it goes, like, (laughs) Oh, I hate that noise. It was a horrible noise. And it's, like, the best I can do. But, like, it sounded like the most wheezy, ridiculous, like, cough. It was, Mm -hmm. like, a maniacal, wheezing cough. It was, like, a laugh from something that didn't breathe. Yeah. (laughs) And... Oh, don't like that. <laughs> so it's the other part. I'm almost done. And, oh, okay. Um, so I, you remember me telling you how dark it was, like so dark that um, I could barely see my my friends in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that was because there was no moon. And if there had been a moon, like a full moon out that night, it would have been too bright for us to go out and we would have been easily spotted. Yeah. So 
that's why I want to really emphasize that there was no moon in the sky that night. And in all of the pictures, like I took the pictures on my digital camera, but I didn't really like look at them until I took them back to my laptop and like uploaded them. But there was a big orb in the sky Mm. in every outdoor picture that I took that looks like if you saw it, you would just assume that it's the moon. Like you can see it over the building. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's just a moon in the sky in these pictures Creepy. when, in fact, there was no moon at all. Creepy AF. <laughs> Your anecdotal experience really makes me want to take some analog tapes out there and see what we get on analog. I, I just mean, think I there's have a love for it. analog. I, I think remember... every, I think a lot of people my age do. They have yeah. like this kind of like attachment to it. And it's the kind of stuff we used for stuff like that because that's what our parents had laying around. Mm-hmm. I remember... Another podcast I listened to, there was these siblings who had a connection, you know, and it was they it was about something completely unrelated. It wasn't about analog technology, but the woman makes an offhand comment about how when they had analog phones or like lined phones, she could always tell who was about to call. She didn't have to tell. And I when I heard that the first time, I literally dropped a glass in the sink because I could do that. I can do that. If there's a landline in your house, like a, like a corded phone, uh-huh. I can tell you exactly who's calling before they answer. There I mean, were several times. And so like I'm the generation like I don't we haven't had a corded phone. The last time the reason I know I can do this is because I did it at school. That was the only place we had corded phones, you know, on the walls. Yeah. And there were several times where the phone would ring and then just in my brain it just popped up like, "Oh, this person's going to the office." Or I'm going to the office, you know, and it, that's what happened. I predicted the death of my great grandmother that way. And so. it, like, what is going on? Like, is there, is that the electromagnetic connection that we don't understand, you know? I think that that's an avenue or an angle that we could pursue that other people aren't pursuing right now. Yeah. You know, I for think sure. that that's like another way to look at it. Like, we could actually do similar side by side comparisons of like, Things like this is what the digital mm-hmm. captured. This is what analog captured. For sure. This yeah. is what they both captured at the same time. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Let's do it. Well, we have so much more to learn, and we are going to collect ev- as much evidence as we can. I came up with this while we were talking, so I hope you approve of it before I say <laughs> it. But I think that we should officially release our uh, talk about my squatching experience on our Patreon. Okay. Um, I, we had a long talk about the group of investigators I used to go out with led by Tom Shea in, um, Kentucky, and it was generally a negative experience and it really shaped how I view squatching. And I mean, it's pretty juicy. I got in a fight with a guy. (laughs) Yeah, it is like, it is one of those times you weren't afraid to say that you were offended. Yes. And uh, our Patreon right now is $3 a month for all patrons. We're not doing that tiered stuff yet. So $3 a month and you can get access to some exclusive episodes that you can't get for free. So Don't forget, guys, if there's anything that is on your hearts and minds out there and uh, you want to reach, uh, reach out and tell us about it, you can email us at tellmelandstell at gmail.com. That's one L in Mel, two L's in Stell tellmelandstell at gmail.com. I'll be really excited to read emails 
And I'm going to be honest. And of course, because we're just starting out, I haven't even gotten an email yet <laughs> to that email address. Not so even whoever, so like somebody could email and just be like in first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, and we'll call you the out. first one. Like we'll make you a part of us. Most of the people I meet in daily life who I talk about this to are women. Like we always meet women out in public and we're like, oh, she's got the vibes. Like she yeah. would love our podcast. And we talk to them and- I just want if you're listening out there and I I shit like called you out in a store or something for your cool tattoos and gave you my card, <laughs> please like email us and you can hang out with us. Like we are not snobs, we are normal ass people and we want people to have this experience with us. Like and if you're cool and not a serial killer, you can come out in the woods with us and have your own experience. We're all about the community. I love it. And Oh, you know, if you don't want to email, like, that's okay. I'm still having fun. <laughs> yeah, we don't care about you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, check out our Facebook group at Everything Under the Moon podcast fan page. Uh, make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, check out our Patreon and our YouTube page and our Instagram. All of that is under the handle of EUTM podcast, Everything Under the Moon podcast with Mel and Stell. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Ooh.